podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hey there, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit worried about Corona. I'm not gonna lie. I'm one of those people that you know. I'm gonna have to put back up and go get everything. But I hope you guys are cool. None of you have got it, right? At the moment, yeah. <laughs> Denmark's on lockdown, so I think I should be okay. Yeah, the, the thing is, you don't even know when you go ahead. But let's let's talk about Chelsea. Let's obviously we had we had quite a good week. So obviously, our last game we played Everton, and it was I think one of our best games of our season. And um, Anu, since we haven't heard your voice in a long time, um, tell us what you thought about the game. What did you like about what you saw? I like the freedom and confidence we're playing with. Um, I like, obviously, to me, for me, sorry, the highlight of the most recent games has been Gilmore. Um, 
I think that was just the standout that everyone saw, um, whoever watched the game and whoever's been on Twitter, on social media. Yeah. But I, I, I think Everton let us play with such. Um, I think they had a shocking game, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it was it was it made a good change because it's been rough. It's been rough, Chelsea fan, for me this season. I feel, um, but it was a positive. It was a positive change, so I really enjoyed it. First time I was probably jumping off my seat. It was really nice. There, there's something about Chelsea when the sun's out that we just play better. I don't care what manager we're under. Like, we usually have a dip when it comes to winter. And I feel like the good thing is the sun's back out. That was probably our best win in a while. Um, Jermaine, I'll move on to you. In terms of Everton, in terms of the lineup, I know it's not just Everton, but just recently, it seems like the old boys are coming back out. Like, I call them... Especially with our attack, I call them the Expendables. So, you know, like that movie, it's the old dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're bringing all the old dudes back. And obviously, they're, they're going at the end of the season. So, I call them the Expendables. So, we got, we had Giroud, uh, William, and Pedro. So, I'm taking that you watch the game. Um, in terms of the attack, do you think, because I know a lot of people have said, actually, we don't have a good squad. This is almost like our second string attack, bar William. So, I guess my question is, what do you think about this attack? And when our other players get fit, do you think it's a thing where, okay, they go back to the background? Or is it a thing where actually, when we're talking about Giroud versus Tammy and Pedro, is it a thing where actually they should keep their place in the team? Um, yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to argue with, with, with that at the moment, if that was to happen, because... Um, and uh, like one of the major reasons as to why we didn't probably see them perform like this earlier in the season is because they, that really truly they weren't really given the chance. I think the only body, the only person that's been that's really had like consistent game time out of the out of the old boys is um, William, and we've always known what we get with William to be honest. So it's nothing new. But with with I think um, Giroud, obviously he was our top goal scorer in Europa last year. So you know he did show signs of of being prolific for us. It, um, in t- at times last season, and then you've got Pedro, who again he he's contributed a lot since since being at the club as well, especially in the Conte season when we won the league. So you started to see like um, bits of form from from Pedro, especially um, coming from the Liverpool game into the into the Everton game. Um, Giroud, like now that he's warmed up a bit, he's looking like himself again as well. And yeah, just everything about the Everton game, to be honest, was was a lot to do with the old boys. I mean, the front three you've already talked about, you've already mentioned, sorry, but like a special mention for Alonso as well, who, who the last two games, he's he's played really well and not at wing-back, he's played really well at left-back. So, I don't know, man, I think it's just kind of like saying like, you know, we're not done yet kind of thing. And, and if you probably manage their minutes right, which is something that you'll probably touch on later, but like, if you manage them right, then they can be still a massive, massive part of the team in yeah. terms of at least for the back end of this season. And they probably could have been a big part of the, of, of the season from the start as well. Exactly. And that's kind of what I want to get into because I hear a lot of people saying that Lampard's running a meritocratic camp. But like you just kind of referenced in terms of Giroud and Pedro, I don't think they are a look in. And I get people are trying to protect Lampard and people are trying to say, yeah, Pedro's form didn't allow him to play. But actually... He didn't get a run of games. And I think the way I thought about it, because I was thinking about it earlier, and if we was to look last season, when Hudson-Odoi was one of our better players in preseason, 
and then he didn't really get a look in. Everyone was up in arms. Everyone was saying it's because of his age, et cetera, et cetera. And Pedro, similarly, this preseason, he actually played well. And everyone was saying under Lampard, yeah, he's a hard worker, it's good. And then I think he got an injury, and after the injury, he didn't come back into it. And so when people, I guess it's open to all of you, Anu, Joe, Jermaine, obviously let me go to Joe um, first, but what do you think? Do you think that actually Lampard's wearing a meritocratic squad, or is it just a flip of actually his flip the switch? Uh, do you know that those TikToks? He flipped the switch, and actually, <laughs> last season, yeah, last season it was uh, all of the young players that couldn't get a look in, and this season it's been more like the old players can't get a look in. I think personally, it's a little bit that I feel like Lampard's kind of learning a little bit on the job in terms of how to manage the squad. I certainly think that there is uh, a kind of an inherent bias towards playing some of the younger players, particularly those who have come through the academy. I think that's been pretty prevalent throughout the season, even with, you know, giving players like, uh, you know, Pulisic minutes ahead of, of Pedro. But it seems to be certainly since January and obviously the decision not to not to sell Giroud and not to, to let Pedro leave early. Um, I think since then, there seems to be a little bit of a, maybe a, a kind of penny drop moment with Lampard. You could see, I think, certainly with his interviews after the game that, you know, I think he's, he's coming to sort of almost appreciate the experienced players and certainly what they can bring in certain situations. So for me, I mean, I'm not sure. I, th- I think there was definitely a bias, certainly you could say at the beginning of the season. But I think post-January and certainly the past couple of games with, with the way Pedro and Giroud in particular are performing, even Marcus Alonso, who was frozen out a bit sort of earlier in the season, I think maybe Lampard hopefully is, has kind of learned a little bit from, from some earlier mistakes and going forward. I, I still think that we, you know, for someone who, who me is a pretty much like a youth fundamentalist who wants, you know, all the young players to play, I still think that you need a, a core kind of a, a veteran experience in the team because certainly in times like this when it's difficult and you need to sort of win games, and you're kind of looking to close out the season, experience does count. So I'm, I'm glad that he's kind of sort of realised that, that they have something to offer. And I think certainly... In, uh, in terms of what Jermaine said, that they've been really, really fantastic, con- you know, in terms of their contributions the, uh, the past couple of games. And you know what? I'll ask you for this, though, because we have injuries. So do you feel like Lampard's made a conscious decision to bring back that expendables, the old boys, to give them a chance? Or is it just like he's got no choice because he's, he's bare bones? No. So I think um, you're right. I think he's, it's because he's at his bare bones. And I don't think he would have played Giroud and the old the older boys if he, if it wasn't forced. And I really think that Lampard's inexperience has shown throughout uh-huh. the season because I think he's 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 because he was employed to come and use the youth because of the transfer ban. I felt like he was so stubborn and stayed with that. Because I remember early in the season when uh, the French manager, Deschamps, was kicking off about Giroud. He was very stubborn about it, saying basically mind his own business, etc. But yeah. in hindsight, Deschamps has proved him right because Giroud, from his most recent performances, has proved why he should have been there. Um, he should have been rotated with Tammy. Um, um, 100%. Tammy's been overworked now. Tammy's now in trouble. And that's the inexperience that Lampard has shown here. And it, as you as Joe said, completely true. He's learning on the job. I do feel he gets, Lampard does get extra leeway um, as a manager, especially at Chelsea, where we handle managers. Um, he doesn't get the same treatment because he's Lampard. Um, yeah. I, when I criticised him early on, even some of my friends were listening, they were coming at me. And I'm just like, <laughs> because he's Lampard. And it's like, what, why, why is that difference? We would say the same thing if it was 
a forward manager up from anywhere. So why? Because Lab- yeah, but the club comes first, surely. So if he's not doing it right, you've got to let him know. Not because he's Lampard and doing it wrong. So I think he, he has made crucial mistakes in that sense, but it is good to see that he's learned on the job. Whether he'll acknowledge that in an interview and say, put his hands up, I don't think so. I do think Lampard has this slight stubbornness slash arrogance about him. Um, I don't think he would acknowledge it, but I do think it's forced. And now, because it's forced and it's working, yeah. he will have to stick with it. There's no real choice. Um, so, are you saying that Tammy comes back? What happens for you, Anu? Do you feel like Tammy comes straight back in, or Tammy has to earn his spot back? Giroud becomes number one. Do you? You know, I think Tammy still stays number one. However, I think. That, that that sub comes a lot earlier with Giroud in, um, and if Tammy doesn't score, for example, remember when Tammy was on the run of not scoring? Yeah. No sense of that was ever going to be changed. Whereas if that was now to happen, you swap that. Like, See, you, you you put him under pressure. Yeah. It yeah. might, and you you might even learn that Tammy will play better. The whole world knew that Tammy wasn't going to get dropped. Yeah. And not that it went to his head or anything, but. I think it's it's obvious and everyone says in the game of football when you have someone up your bum, do you know what I mean, putting pressure on you, you you're going to be looking over your shoulder. That's how the best teams in the world perform. And yeah. when it two well players every position, so yeah. and when it comes down to it, a lot of the time Lampard was saying Tammy needs help. There's no help when actually the help was there. We see it now. I think I can speak on behalf of everyone in the squad. Anyone that disagrees, please pipe up. But I feel like. The fact that we've got Lampard in charge and Lampard cares, like, we don't, we haven't had a manager that we know for sure cares about the club long term. So that's why a lot of the young players haven't been playing. You can tell they've just come in. They haven't really thought they were going to be here long term, so they haven't been trying to put things in place long term. Lampard actually cares passionately about the club and he wants to put things in here long term. So I think most of us actually want him to do well. And when people are listening to the podcast saying, why are you criticising um, Lampard, you don't want kind of like yes men around you and just telling you everything's fine. Now, obviously, we've just got opinions. They, they might not be right, but actually, if we've got an opinion that we think he's doing something wrong, I would prefer we'd all say it. Like, in fact, I think that's the better thing for like the club in general, like just to hear all opinions. But back to, to the old guards. So, obviously, we've talked a little bit about Giroud um, staying in. Pedro as well. Um, I guess, do you feel like he should stay in if Pulisic comes back, Hudson comes back, or do you feel like he gets dropped? Basically, I just want to kind of know, do you feel like, rah, is it just, a, are they a temporary fix, or do you feel like, actually, they need they need to keep their place until someone um, displaces them? Jermaine? Yeah, no, I think, um, even going to the thing about, yeah, like, Tammy coming in and, and Hudson and Pulisic coming in, I think, they, they need to work for, for, the, for that spot back. I think, like, you look at the two two teams that they played and, and the performances that they they dropped on in both games, I don't think like, the other winners and in Tammy and himself, even though he's got 15 goals, I think if you look at the overall performances, I don't think they've done enough to be able to just say, oh, you know, I'm straight back in the team. Like, nobody for me has really done that throughout the season. And this is even including, I know Barkley's not old, but it's, um, it's also including him as well. I, I don't think you can just come into the team now and just say, yeah, I'm starting again. Because if you look at what Giroud has brought to the team over the last few games, I just feel like they look a lot more solid up top. 
when, when, when we've got the ball in the final third, especially when we're trying to build up play. I think Pedro has shown a lot of um, a lot of his class in terms of the runs that he's making beyond um, beyond the defence that he's playing against. So there's a lot to learn from 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 Pedro, Giroud, Willian, like in terms of um, what to do as a winger as well. And the only way you're going to learn that is not always in training. You're going to also learn that through watching them in game. So these like our young wingers have still got a lot to learn, and I don't think they can just come back into the team straight away after performing like they did against Liverpool yeah. and performing um, how they did against Everton, which you've already said is one of our best performances this season. Yeah. The football that we played against Everton was also probably some of the best football that we've played this season, including, like, I think it would probably... How many times did we cross the ball in that game? Because I remember playing a lot of good football in that game and yeah. some of it was, like, really central. A lot yeah. of through balls coming from Barkley. Very good play from Barkley in terms of in the attacking phase. So... You know, I, I, I don't necessarily think that it is a stroll in the path for these guys coming back. I think they've got a lot to do in terms of getting their place back. Do you know what I noticed? I noticed, particularly with Giroud, and obviously, in terms of we're playing a little bit different, so I kind of I watched the match again to kind of see it. And I think particularly with Giroud, if you go to like the heat maps and all that type of stuff, he doesn't play particularly high up the pitch. Like Obviously, he hasn't got the pace to do it, but I think he just likes languishing closer to the midfield anyway. And I think the good thing about that is, actually, obviously, when a ball comes up, he's winning a lot of knockdowns and headers. And when he's doing that, he's got a lot more players in and around him to win it. But also what it means is because he doesn't play too close to the defence, the opposition defence kind of push up. And that means there's space in behind. And obviously, that's good for Giroud to pop it to William, to pop it to Pedro. So I think in terms of that, like that's helped us kind of get through. And when you're talking about Barkley through balls, yeah, there's space to play through balls. And obviously, like with Tammy and Mount, I think when they was part of the attack, they were just pressing high all the time. So actually, there was no space to get people in behind. Um, but yeah, does anybody else kind of have anything they've noticed with this attack or all movements in the field? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing with Giroud, and I, I kind of look at this as, as Drogba, when Drogba came back for his second stint at Chelsea, they have this kind of innate ability to just have this like most insane ability to hold the ball up. You know, I have no doubt now that if you put Drogba in a Chelsea shirt, you know, he'd probably bring people into play and the ball would stick with him. I think it's the same with Giroud. And I think, again, if I'm if I'm Tammy Abraham, going back to, to what Jermaine was saying, you know, the one area of play that I think he has to drastically work on is his ability to bring others into play, and both in terms of his hold-up, both in terms of the way that he, he interacts with, with players that are either sort of coming sort of near him or beyond him and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that that ability that Giroud has to actually sort of retain possession and actually encourage players to, as, as sort of Dan was alluding to, to get closer to him, to get further up the pitch. You know, when we're not kind of uh, sort of, you know, just trying to get the ball wide and get crosses in because, you know, if you're trying to play central, quite often, particularly with a, a centre forward, you need someone who can hold the ball. You need someone who can actually sort of bring others into play. And actually, I mean, you know, he gave he gave Van Dijk absolute fits, you know, in terms yeah. of to, in terms of how he was trying to play against him. So, you know, again, if I'm Tammy and, and, and trying to get back into the team and trying to figure out ways that I can step my game up to to another level, I've just got to watch Giroud and, and look at how he uses his body because Tammy's a big guy. He's not like he's, you know, he's five foot five. He's, he's tall, he's physical. But for me, that, that's the next step. He's got to learn how to bring others into play and, and be be the focal point, not just the finisher. And what, what are you saying about new contracts? Because obviously Giroud is moving potentially. So what are you guys, like William too? Like it's still not kind of, Drawn in, the line's not drawn in sand. What, what are you guys saying? Giroud and William keep keep two at least two of the expendables around or expend them, get rid of them. What are you thinking? 
is entitled to another year. I feel like he's deserved, he's played himself into another year. Yeah. Whether he would want just another year, that's that's the problem. Um, but I honestly feel another year. But again, it's more, does he see himself? Is he going to kick off and see himself as, as a backup striker, that being a problem? But I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that he loves London and he wants to stay in London. So that's always a promising thing. And you know what? He doesn't. I don't even think he minded being a backup striker. It's just that he wasn't getting no play at all. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I feel like now Lampard's kind of seen what he can offer, and actually Lampard's come around saying, "Yeah, he might not be the, the striker that I want completely. However, we can make it work by having the other players in front of him press." Um, Jermaine, Joe, what are you saying? William Giroud, give him new contracts. Um, yeah, I think I think out of three. My my personal opinion on the whole thing about like with the with the olders and and who should get the contract, I think it should definitely be only one player. Okay. And I feel like it. If it was up to me, I'd probably go with Giroud as well because I feel like um, he gives a, a very different dimension, which we all know about in terms of out of the, like you know out of the, probably the type of strategy that you're gonna have. And then um, he he also comes across as a. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. Very, very good role model for like you know the younger lot. He he, he seems like he helps a lot of the, the guys around the training like around the training ground as well. And he hasn't even been at Chelsea that long, so that just tells you everything you need to know about him. Really, uh, everybody kind of loves him at Chelsea already. So I think with Giroud, um, I'd say yeah, give him another like year contract. What about that snake? Yeah, and can f off like asap. Yeah. Like he needs to get out of it because <laughs> like he just. <laughs> Jermaine, he scored a goal, he got an assist, which was a cross into Giroud. And I think he played well. Everton, he played well, and he's, he's been playing well. He did, man. He did, but he can get out of here, bro. Like, <laughs> I just, I just, Jermaine's I just, done. Like, seriously, seriously, for all the ability that he's had, yeah, like, that he's, that, well, for what he's known for in terms of his ability, like, how much ability he's got, it's just so criminal for him to just deliver so little and I just can't forgive that in terms of just knowing this. I can't. The frustration is too much. I can't do it again. So I just, I just need him gone. Him, and no disrespect to Pedro, but with Pedro, I think it's just a thing where if somebody like Boga does come in, I think um, it was like someone like Boga or even another winger doesn't have to be Boga, Sancho. Any, I just feel like the next winger that we get, obviously we've we've already got Zayek as well. So like, yeah. I just feel like you know him hanging around. It will just be literally like him on standby and there's just no point in that really it's just a waste of a wage so so you said give it to Giroud but are you saying then no new striker because if you've got Giroud and Tammy and you're going to be playing one up front then I don't think you can bring a first striker in it just doesn't make sense do you know what I mean yeah no no I hear you um, to be fair right now the options of strikers is not even looking Amazing to be fair. Like we it's very slim pickings at the moment, especially with other clubs, you know, kind of swimming around in that. So I don't know, man. I I, I wouldn't be 
mad upset if we didn't sign a striker and we had to go with Tammy again for another season because there is room for growth for Tammy as well. So I don't want to act like, you know, Tammy's in the bin already because it's not that. Tammy wants 200k though. That's the only thing though, but but at the same time, he's not going to get 200k. And what do you think? That's his Nigerian coming out. He's (laughs) calmed down. He won those two awards. Yeah, I heard, I read about his keys. Yeah. His Nigerian side is popping out too much. He needs to calm down. Allegedly, though, because you know how these papers love to kind of add on and times it by three. But, Joe, I know you've done a thread on it. Um, what are your thoughts? Tammy, 200k. What do we do? Oof, uh, I mean, I still think 200k probably is the extreme end of the equation. If he's around the 120, 150 mark for me, it's worth it. And I'm not going to bore people with sort of investment banking numbers and all that sort of stuff. But... I often think the way people look at football finances and just look at wages and not look at the whole cost of the play is, is just it's just wrong without being too much of a dickhead about it. Um, <laughs> we can't get into it, but you're wrong. Listen. Yeah, you can't, I can't get into it too much, but you're all wrong. How you think about football is completely wrong. No. Um, but so, I mean, to, to go and replace someone who gets maybe 15, 20 goals a season in the Premier League, no penalties, you're probably going to pay maybe 40, 50 million pounds for that sort of player at Chelsea. Then probably they're going to be on 150 a week. So, I mean, the total cost of the player already is, is probably double what Tammy's going to cost Chelsea. And, and yeah, you know, you can look at the wages and say, well, you know, what if Chelsea want to sell him on? But if you've got Tammy here for five years on 150, if he then falls to being the backup striker, you know, being the, being the number two at the club, that cost to the club maybe seven, eight million pound a year to go and buy someone of that quality. You're looking at maybe 14, 15 million pound a year. So it's quite a big difference in the amount of money that the, the club would be able to set aside and spend on other players or give to other players in terms of contracts. So, I'm, I'm definitely in favour of giving the younger players long-term contracts on decent money because it also means, you know, if they if they get a bit sort of itchy feet and want to move on because they're not playing, then sometimes it's difficult. So they, they kind of settle into the, into the sort of squad role that they're probably, some of them are probably going to settle into. So for me, it makes sense. I think 200 is a little bit insane. I think that's probably top end of what he's looking at. But for, for 150, I mean, you know, we're in a situation where we're currently, you know, in terms of like players that we've got on loan, Danny Drinkwater's costing us like 12 million quid a year. So, you know, if, if Tammy's going to be six, seven million pounds, then surely he's worth it at that, at that sort of uh, benchmark. You said you wasn't going to bore us with the I'm sorry. I, 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 the, 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 the banker <laughs> in me comes out. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. Um, all right, cool. Let's talk about, we'll stick on Everton, but we'll go to midfield now. Now, obviously, again, this is almost like a second choice midfield because Mount hasn't really played, especially in central midfield. And then we also had little Billy Dilmore, and we have Barkley. And I want to start with... Let's start with Mount, because I think Mount was mad impressive. I think Mount was sick. And I think Mount doesn't... I think Mount, overall, as an overall player, he's really good. He's got a lot of good bits to his game, but we haven't seen much of this season. I think it's because he's positioning. And I'll quickly talk about what I saw from Mount. I saw... When he's away from that number 10 position, which you know I hate him in that position. <laughs> he's, he's more... I hate him in that position. More than I hate Jorginho. People think... Me, no, no, no. But people, <laughs> the thing is, people, people don't have nuance. So people think that I hate Mount, but I just hate Mount in that number 10 position. Because people, they just see Mount and negative and they just think I hate him. But actually, I really like him as a player. I think dribbling, especially on that left side, the way he dribbles is so good. Like, he cuts in... Um, he works mad hard, but I just feel like we have been robbed, kind of, of Mount performances this season because he played too much at the number ten position. And I don't like this season. I think that Lampard's come in with this idea that he's going to play four-two-three-one, and Mount's going to play behind Tammy, and that's going to help us get goals. But I haven't really seen the benefit 
of Mount playing number 10. He hasn't been scoring the goals there. And just to see him away from that, I just feel like we've been robbed um, of seeing him. Obviously, like most of the goals he scored from earlier in the season, he was playing like left attack. Right? So I just feel like seeing him away from that number 10 position, we're starting to see why, we, why he's such a good player again. Um, what are your thoughts on the game will go to Jermaine on Mount? Um, yeah, like I thought, I thought he's since since the break really he's had a, a very good run of form coming back. He looked fresh um, against Everton though. In in particular, I think if he doesn't get subbed, he's probably man of the match for me. I think um, it's good to see him deeper in midfield, getting involved in play. Um, like everything about him was good. Like even his dribbling though. I think there was one time he was dribbling past like three, four players. Like did he right. lose the ball? Yeah. I was just so impressed with everything that he did and, and then his shooting. I know he 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 um he spoke about a couple of things that he's changed with his game in terms of like snatching at shots because he's thinking about it a bit too much and it's been on his mind lately. But um he's managed to get rid of that little little mental little mental thing that he had going on and, and he just looks so much better for it. I think I'm 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 more so impressed with him because I think like I know, sorry, that I was getting onto him a lot when he was playing second striker. I was talking about how he lacked creativity. I was talking about how he just seemed like he was running away from play all the time. Like there were so many things that were annoying me with Mount, and I think it was because I knew that he was probably better than that in terms of what I've seen previously, and just what I was seeing in terms of where he was playing. It was it was really pissing me off in terms of just the things that he would he would do in the, in the games and the way the games was just bypassing. So I think to see him now at, at the core of some of these moves. And setting the setting the pace again in terms of like he's setting the tempo for the press and he's yeah. still doing those things, but he's also involved in play. Yeah. And I, it just it really bodes well to like for for Mount in terms of the player that he can become for Chelsea, and he, he's really looking very very good again. So credit what, to Mount. one thing you said was that he's involved in play before he was he was chilling up there with Tammy. Like he's involved in play in terms of the quick passing. He's still pressing, but he's not. Like, it, it's mad because when you talk about Mason Mount, now people just say pressing. Like, he can't play football. Do you know what I mean? That's an off-the-ball skill. <laughs> like, it's, it's so bad because yeah. he's a good player, but people are just saying pressing. And I think that's a disservice to what he's got in his locker. Um, Joe, what are you saying about Mount? I have to agree completely with Dan, actually, what you said. I, I think that the, the big thing for me is that, you know, you can look at some players and... You know, you push them 10 metres up the pitch into a number 10 position and then all of a sudden they're, they're not facing play, they're, they're playing like back to go off and, and as you say, they're just... I, I think you have to be a, a very kind of unique player to play in the number 10 and play it effectively. If you've never played it before and you're used to playing in central midfield or, or you've come through a system where you're not really as a number 10, it's such a difficult position to play because all of a sudden you're not you're not facing the same way that you've played football your entire career. And I think what we've seen, certainly with him dropping deeper, is... You know, he's got, I think, a better ability to time his runs into area. I think the the the, the first shot that the goalkeeper saved, he was really unlucky. He got a great connection on it. Um, but that sort of arriving late into the area rather than already sort of being in there. And I think as well, I mean, the goal that he took reminded me a little bit of the, the, the Lampard goal against Bayern Munich ages ago. That sort of like hit, touch and swivel and then bury it. Um, but I think he gets the best out of him. I completely agree with Jermaine. You know, you, you're actually starting to see... You know, not just the, you know, Mason Mount, look at look at how much he runs during the game, like, you know, the new James Milner. You're starting to see a guy who, great touch, great feet. I think some of the passing and some of the moves that he was involved in were fantastic. But, you know, get him get him facing play and get him actually involved in the game. 
bringing him deeper. I think you're really, really starting to see the best out of him. And hopefully now, I think the, the, the comments that he made about his own game afterwards as well, I think for me, were really positive because it's, it's not often you hear young players talk about themselves in, in that kind of reflective tone, you know, saying that he was chasing goals and that sort of stuff. He was talking about himself in a critical manner. Yeah, which is great to see. You know, you only improve if you're going to sort of really look at yourself in that kind of, through that sort of prism. And you don't often hear young people yeah. speaking about themselves like that. Publicly, he was speaking. And what he was saying is, and I think that like young players on social media, they see all this stuff. And obviously, after a game, we've got people that, are, you know, overly criticise and put red X's over people's faces. And they, they took a screenshot of Mount um, in one of the last games where... Like, he shot when he should have passed it. Um, and so he was so critical. Because when it comes down to it, it would have been, a, I think it was to Giroud, it would have been a clear goal if he passed it. But one thing I will say is that I don't think Mount, even deeper, is that much of a creative player. I still think Mount is a shooter. And I just, I don't think it's a negative thing. That goal that he scored, that, you know how Chelsea are? The fact that we scored that goal, that set, up, set us on the right pace. There was a chance, I think, Everton had. And you know, if they scored a goal... It could have been a whole other story. But the fact that he scored that goal, that kind of set the story for the rest of the game. And I think in a team that lacks shooters, it's good that we have a shooter in Mount. The shooting isn't bad. I think it was just that he wasn't involved, like Jermaine said, he wasn't involved in play too. Like, and I think don't kill Mount for shooting. Like That's what he does. That's what he brings to it. And that's why he scored that goal. But I'm just glad that actually he's involved in play too. Anyway, do you have anything to say on Mount before I ask my next question? Just like, but when he was in Chelsea Youth, he was a box to box midfielder, wasn't he? He was never a ten, was he? No, he what never played ten. He was he was always like a number eight. He, he, he even see him play like holding midfield, you know, quite a bit. So normally yeah. a six or eight, yeah. Yeah, they just say him shot. I don't understand. I, yeah, I've never really quite got where this sort of love to be this ten was or the creation. He, he he's he's had a he's had a position that he's built, um, that he's played with, built, developed in, and. Um, I'm I'm not sure why he's been um, set to be this number two. Be creative, but also, but also going back to your point, Dad, in terms of oh, because he could shoot, yeah, but that's what. So number eights and number fours can't shoot as well. They can still shoot. Well, that's what I mean. You don't have to, don't force it. I feel like this ten has been forced, um, and because he's consistently overplayed by Lampard again, poorly poorly managed player, and um, because he's his boy, um, I feel like that's shown, that's why there have been flaws in, and drops in his, his performance levels. He's been playing way too much over and yeah. over today. And I just, yeah, um, so a few factors have been off with him, but I really think he's going to be a good player, he's going to be class. I just think he just, this is the season where he's finding his feet at Chelsea, but you're finding your feet at such a crucial time. It's just like, really, it, it, I, yeah. It's, so it's what, what, is, what are you saying, Anu? Your favourite <laughs> I'm yep. just sorry, yeah, to conclude, I'm just saying I like I liked him as well. I just uh, we emphasize the point in that eight position where he, he feels he looks more comfortable. But I'm saying shouldn't be a surprise he looks more comfortable there because his career's been there, hasn't it? So I don't know why this um um why the ten kind of got created at the beginning of the season. I think it was created at the beginning of the season because Lampard's watched Chelsea, obviously he's a Chelsea man through and through, and he's seen under Sari, we had the three midfielders that actually have any kind of attacking impetus and was lacking goals. So I think that he's just seen, oh, actually, if I play Mount next to the striker, then actually we'll have more of attacking threat. It hasn't worked out like that. Um, but I feel like, finally, because don't forget, 
he had the opportunity to play Mount in a 4-2-3-1 against Everton. But actually, because it could have been Barkley and Gilmore as a base, but actually he played him in a 4-3-3. So potentially we've moved away from that um, because I don't think it adds anything. Um, and so for, for you guys, I guess let's move on to Gilmore. Um, we'll go to Jermaine because I know you wear your heart on your sleeve. Like, in fact, your heart on your sleeve. Like, you proper love Gilmore. Uh, that's your boy. What did you think about his performance? Oh, man. Wait. I don't know, man. Like watching watching that kid, yeah, play against Liverpool to begin with was 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 crazy. But then, I think I was more impressed with Everton just because I think it's so hard to follow up a, a performance like the one against Liverpool. It's so easy for it to just look look like um, a very average performance, and sometimes you don't even follow it up with a good performance. To be fair, when you're that young, but he he like just delivered again. Like, and I think the f- not. Not the first goal, but I think the second one for when um, for Pedro. Yeah. I think the, the start of that, just the way he set the tempo for that move in terms of it, like it was played into him, and then like the quick turn just to play it forward, like every the urgency in terms of his part in that goal, yeah. just set the tone for the move, and then from then on it was just one touch, one touch, one touch, and then back of the net, and it's just like we've been crying out for moves like that throughout the, throughout the season really that's what we've wanted to see and I'm not saying it's just Gilmore that that is the reason for it but Barkley Mount yeah exactly Barkley Mount Gilmore and it's like I don't know man it's just something about this kid like when he's got the ball you feel so confident that something good is going to come of it like All right. when he gets the ball but I don't think it's something that we haven't seen not everything that he's doing is things that we haven't seen Jorginho do I'm not, I'm, I, I definitely I did, don't. I didn't ask you about Jorginho, I asked you about Billy. Whenever you talk about Billy, I know, I know, I know. But just quickly on Billy, before yeah. we come to Jorginho, what are the good things? I know you talked about a good moment, but what about the, about the good things about his game in general against Everton? So I think the, the, the things I like about Billy, I like his urgency to get the ball moving forward. I like the, I like the fact that he has got a little bit of bite about him in terms of even though he's small, he's willing to proper battle in there, like proper he doesn't he doesn't care that he's like five foot nothing, do you know what I mean? Like he will he will battle out with, with Richarlison, which he did. I think he lost the ball against him, then clamped him to get the ball back. Like just I don't know, man. Everything about the kid like he's just so confident on the ball. Yeah. But but he's also like on the pitch telling people, pass it here, pass it there, give me the ball and like Quickly, give me the ball. Like, let me let me do what I can do on the ball. And he doesn't care how old he is. He doesn't care how much experience he's got. And he points the guy. And he points to places for them to pass the ball too, right? Yeah, elite pointing, bro. Elite pointing. You need that. Uh, (laughs) All right, Joe. um, On Gilmore, talk to me about his performance. What was great about it against Everton? I think it's it's just his ability to set the tempo for the team. I, I don't think we've we've really seen us play at this kind of speed too often this season. And I think, again, when you're looking at how the team plays in terms of actually being more central, not relying entirely on, on crosses and, and width, I think when you're when you're playing quickly between the lines, when you've got someone who's willing to take more risk with their passes, who can actually punch the ball in, into people's feet, and I think he's a little bit more technically gifted in terms of his, his sort of passing variety and radar and vision and that sort of stuff. I think then then that that really for me is the thing that, that sticks out. I mean we can talk about the fact that he 
I think he he adds a little bit of bite into the midfield. I think he's he's got a little bit more. I think uh, on terms of boys, you know, some sort of dribbling and his his kind of quick feet and stuff like that, and ability to get away. And then again, you know, when you kind of push him push him further forward into that sort of right central midfield role, he's getting into the box. You know, he's 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 making some really really decent decisions in terms of the the ball to Andrew and Andrew probably should have scored from. You know, I think he was he was also excelling when you when you saw him playing that right central midfield spot. So. For me, it looks like we've got someone on our hands now who is is pretty flexible. You know, you can put him in as a as a kind of controlling midfielder playing central. Um, it looks like you can you can play him either side of the either side of the guy in the pivot. So I mean, it's it, it's it's a really complete performance in two different positions with two different kind of requirements. You know what I love about Joe? I said don't mention Jorginho, and Joe mentioned to just talk about Billy, but at the same time take shots at Jorginho all the way through. It's a skill. It's a, it's a stand. It's a skill that I've 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 accumulated over many years. <laughs> throw throw just enough shade. <laughs> and then what are you saying about um, Gilmore? No, I think um, what stands out to me is just how he makes the game look very easy. Something that age it just makes it look easy. You look at him, you like, you look at him, you think you can play professional football. Yeah. I look at him like, I can do that. Like that, he's just he's just passing that ball calm. He's literally he's literally making he made those two games against the Champions of England and a good side in Everton um, look like he's been doing it for many seasons. So I think that's just the standout. He just makes and, and it's it's clearly not easy. If not everyone would be doing it, but he just makes it look so simple and um, not phased at all. Confident that go a long way. Roy Keane's Roy Keane likes him, sir. Bro, everybody keeps on mentioning that Roy Keane likes him. If Roy Keane likes him, then shit likes him. Must be alright. Yeah, but if, if let him get one haircut and one earring, then you might change his mind. Oh, 100%, yeah, the next one. <laughs> Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. What do you know? What my thought is? I think that his performance was mad overrated. I'm not gonna lie. I think it was mad overrated. The Everton, which one? I'm talking about the Everton one. Gilmore's. Um, and let me preface this actually, because I know how some people work, and then they're gonna actually think that I hate Gilmore. Oh, I dis- dislike him. I don't. I just feel like generally with Chelsea and Chelsea fans and just like football fans in general, when they see a new toy, all they can see is all the positives. And so we've seen it earlier this season when obviously Mount was the new guy and Mount could do no wrong. But then later on in the season, Mount started to get criticised. Tomori came in, he was the new boy and he was amazing. And then later on, to be fair, it wasn't Tomori's fault, he just got dropped out of nowhere. But we saw it with Hudson Odoi, when he came back from injury, he's amazing. And then the, the most recent ones with Reese James, he's amazing. And obviously, the more you get to see these players in the big stage, the more that these negatives start getting pointed out. And I think with Gilmore, I don't. I think Jermaine said that he thinks that Mount deserved man of the match. I think Barkley was should have been the man of the match. I think he was the best player. Um, but I think Mount was better than I think Barkley was better than Gilmore. I think Mount was better than Gilmore. And I think Gilmore for me because I watched the performance again. Um, Gilmore, one of the reasons why I actually think we played better with Gilmore is because with Jorginho and when Reese James came on, it was similar. They kind of demand the ball a lot in the central positions. So the ball's constantly coming through the centre. But I think one one weird way that we played there with Gilmore is Gilmore doesn't demand the ball all the time. He's happy for the game to be played around him. I don't think we're like with Sari, everything went through Jorginho. And as an offset of that, when 
Jorginho plays now. Like, a lot of time when building up is coming through him. I don't think it always comes through um, Gilmore. And I don't know whether that's just at this point he's young and the older players don't trust him as much. Or I, I just feel like Gilmore doesn't show for the ball as much. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's necessarily a negative thing. But I just feel like where he had great moments, and we talked about the goal, um, the second goal, the quick, quick thinking, quick passing um, forward, I just feel like, yeah, I, I just, he wasn't as instrumental as people make out. Now, I get he's young, um, everybody, he's, everybody's talking about him, but I just feel like in terms of defensively, um, Jermaine mentioned that one time where he uh, went to win the ball back with Richarlison, but I feel like, look, he's, he's not the fastest, so he can get sprinted by it. I mean, a lot of people kind of attack Jorginho for people being able to run past him. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. I remember I saw him at a corner with Keane, Moise Keane. And obviously, Moise Keane's just a year older than him, but he looks so much bigger. And now, Gilmore, don't get me wrong, he's got the bye, like you say, and he's good. And I think that he had a good performance. I just feel like it wasn't a man of the match performance. Now, one thing I will say is, I, I think I'll echo Joe. Um, he can play in central midfield too. He can do the controller role. Um, but I do think that people went over the top with the Everton performance in general. I don't think that he was the best player by a stretch. I think Barkley was. I think Mount was better. Um, I think maybe William, even William, because obviously he set up and scored a great goal. But I do think that we've got a great player on our hands. And I was worried because I feel like Jorginho might be going. And I like controller type of midfield. And I think one thing I like about Gilmore is he doesn't demand the ball. So we don't have to play it through the middle. And when you're saying... Bro, we, we played more expensive just because I feel like our game, you need that the players around him, they had to think a bit more because it's not just give it to Jorginho and Jorginho's passing. I think Joe likes to call him crab um, crab midfielders. But yeah, that's my <laughs> thought. I, I, don't, I don't know if yes. you guys agree with what I've just said, but that's my thoughts on Gilmore. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think like you're, you're right about the fact that there were a couple of performances that were better than Gilmore. Definitely. I think. I'm probably still in awe of his performance against Liverpool, if I'm being honest. I'm, like, the easiest to get gassed. Everybody knows that. But, like, with with Gilmore, though, in, in, in that game, I think the few things that he did very well, I think sometimes, I think some people might just feel like other players wouldn't have done the same thing. Do you see what I'm saying? So, I think, in terms of, at this level, I think, my opinion is, at this level, a split second, in terms of doing something, a split second faster changes completely changes a move in a game and I think with Gilmore that's where I kind of appreciate him a little bit more I just feel like he does things very quickly as soon as he's mined up to do it and sorry I was I think that's one of the reasons why when I want a controller there I want someone that actually you can trust them in those split seconds to make those passes because it's right in front of the fence so you have to have a quick-minded player in in terms of quick mind you have to be yeah. the but you have to have, and I think he's got a very quick mind. And I do think that people are right when they say that actually. Whereas okay, I think Joe mentioned it, like Jorginho, he's plays the ball over the top a lot of times. Um, whereas like Gilmore will make simple passes, but they're they're very effective and they don't have to be like these wonder balls over the top that, you know, one out of fifty work. Um but yeah, let's move on to Barkley. Because I know obviously Barkley's been Barkley's like a lot of people hate him. I've always been a fan of Barkley, and I know Meads the other day was telling me to give up, and I was like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't get why people hate him so much. And one, one thing I noticed in the game is like, obviously the Everton fans were booing him, 
And it didn't affect him whatsoever. And I think one, maybe one of the reasons why is because Chelsea fans have been booing him so much. So he's used to the shit. So like, it's like, yeah, boo me more. I'm going to play sick. But I think he played amazing. What are you, what are you guys thinking about Barkley's game? Yeah, I think he, uh, everyone knows. I think the reason why he gets behaved on is because he has character. And, uh, and this world doesn't like character. So exactly. They like boring people. Yeah. Which is sad. Um, so, anyone who has to call a Nigerian too, you know? Pardon? He's a quarter Nigerian. Listen, I'm biased. I mean, no good deal. You see where he gets his pounded, yeah, I'm powerful. So exactly. It's very clear. Um, but yeah, and because if you have character and you don't constantly perform, as soon as you slip up, you're going to get criticised. Yeah. And you're absolutely ripped up by the Graham Soonesses, etc. So, he did mess up twice this season in terms of the off-the-pitch antics. And I th- but I think he's always going to have that, and I think that's kind of what comes out in his game. So, I think what he just needs to do is his consistency. Um, but, but everyone knows that he's going to have those... He's going to have performances where he's going to be terrible yeah. and performances where he's going to be outstanding. But I think that comes with him, and I don't mind it. That's the kind of players that they, they're out there. When you're going to get those on performances, that's fine. But would you rely on him on a big game when you know it's all on the line? Let's say if you were to get to the late stage of Champions League, it would be it would be a difficult. You'd have to maybe argue, maybe not. It would he be disciplined enough to be good defensively and do what the game plan is? It's, it's a tough one. But I think you've got to keep him as long as you can in any squad and he will just do magic every now and again. I mean, I, th- I think he was quite good defensively against Evan. I think, personally, I think he's one of our most complete midfielders in terms of... I know a lot of people said mountain central midfield. I still, even from that left-central midfield thing, I see him as an attacker because I feel like you're more likely to see Gilmore and Barkley back defending than you are to see, like, deep defending than um, you saw, you would see Mount. I think there was a couple of times when um, they were putting crosses in and Barkley would just come out of nowhere and just get the ball and obviously it's against Everton so maybe he had extra impetus to do it but I just feel like in terms of complete midfielder we're talking about Kovacic can't attack Kovacic can't attack well he's, he's good at defensive RLC I don't know you don't trust him to get back as much Mount again another attacking midfielder you can't attack. I think Barkley's the most complete midfielder what are you saying Jermaine? Um, with, with Barkley it's just so Weird man. <laughs> like, I, I know you've you've constantly said that he should be like a like a squad player. You feel like he's a perfect squad player, and yeah. I'd probably agree with that as well. I think he is definitely a perfect squad player. But in terms of just him generally, his consistency is just like a massive, massive question mark. And the problem is, like you're always going to talk about, you know, does he get enough minutes to perform? And exactly, like. And, and, and that is fair to say because it, it does look like, you know, after that Liverpool game, I've always said as, as well, like I think Barkley's a confidence player. And after that Liverpool game, that 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 run and that, you know, him scoring that goal, yeah. after that, Lampard has always shown um, confidence in Barkley, I think even from the beginning. Yeah. Um, Southgate's always shown confidence in Barkley. So right now, the two most important managers in his career show a lot of confidence in him. So well, Jermaine, quickly, I don't think Lampard completely has. Now, I would say... Hey, I agree with you that Lampard has shown more confidence in him than the general Chelsea person. Mm. But at times when Barkley would have a good game, but then he gets taken out. 
Yeah. We're talking about consistency. When you're talking about consistency, he doesn't get... I hate it when people criticise players for consistency when they don't get consistent time on the pitch. Yeah. Now, Chelsea fans and um, the manager, who hasn't... like Obviously, Lampard likes Barkley to a degree, but he, he places Mount higher than Barkley. So when it came time to drop Barkley out, it was either Bar- um, Barkley or Mount for number 10. He put Mount there. So obviously, he likes Barkley, but he just likes other players more. Now, we see him for England. Everyone's talking about England Barkley and England Barkley. Yeah, he's at a place where the manager has full confidence in him. He's yeah, at a place yeah. where he's not got a crowd murmur that booing anytime something goes wrong. He's a creative player. Like Anu said, he's going to try stuff. All right? So you can't, on one hand, complain when everybody's just passing the ball backwards and sideways, whereas with Barkley, he's always thinking, how can I do something different? Both of those, both of those assists were great assists because he doesn't think like the average player. So... Yeah, not everything's going to come off, but he's a creative player, so yeah, and it's I, not come off. Yeah, and I agree as well. Like even with the England thing, like I think a lot of a lot of even the fans, the neutral fans, like like obviously, even when they're watching England, they kind of back Barkley as well because they they've seen nothing but good with Barkley for England, and I think even then there's like less pressure on, on him to perform for England as well because I feel like he he's confident that he's going into that team. He knows he's an important player. Yeah. And he feels like that. And I think that is massively important for Chelsea. I think if you're going to perform for Chelsea, you do have to feel like you're you're being backed. I think you have to feel like you are like, valued in the squad as well. And Barkley, is, I, personally, I think he's a massive confidence player. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, the only reason I'll say, like, I can understand why people get onto the consistency thing as well in terms of, like, say that he's had enough chances is because they also look at the previous seasons. And I know it's not fair to because it's different managers, different styles different instructions and stuff like that. But they'll look at last season and be like, well, you got subbed on like 50 times for Kovacic and you did nothing. So yeah, it's but, that. Yeah, last season, Kovacic, they all wanted them out. So yeah. and we know that Sari, Sari asked the midfielders to play it simple a lot. So we didn't see Kovacic dribbling as much. We didn't yeah. see Barkley creating, taking it. Both of their games. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, right, so if we're talking about where an analytical podcast, I don't think you can say that you can. they can use that as justification. When they've seen... They, 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 they the yes, the same, the same club that said they want Kovacic out, a lot of them are now saying he's been our best player this season. So I don't think it, I don't think you can say Barkley's had a fair chance this season. He hasn't had a run of games. We, <clears> like, and we went to the Grimsby game, and actually this is a kind of good point. Um, so he played against Grimsby. We won seven one, and obviously it's against Grimsby. But again, Everton, some of our best football. Again, Barkley was playing. Not just Barkley. Barkley, Gilmore was playing. Pedro was playing. It does seem like these kind of free players. Uh, well, not free players because Gilmore is young. But to be fair, even like Gilmore too. So if we're talking about players that deserve the chance, after what Gilmore's done in the in the games he's played, because I don't think Gilmore's had a bad game apart from one like cameo. Like, he hasn't really been rewarded. But I think Barkley specifically, he's had good games, but he just doesn't get a chance to build on it. And people say it's inconsistent. And I think it's so unfair. I don't, and I, it might sound like it's coming from a Barkley backer, but I just feel like, regardless, I don't care if it's, regardless, squad players, you can't blame them for consistency when they're not getting consistent chances. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, sorry for that little rant, man. But you know, when you have something in your chest, you know, you've got something in your heart and you just have to get the shout. Um, yeah, cool. I think the problem is just going to be making fans generally understand that because although we just said everything that we just said, they'll still think that he had fair chances considering that he had so many minutes last season. They're always going to think it. It's so annoying because you're completely right in terms of not just Barkley, but I think most players. And I think, like, when you talk about Pedro and the expendables and Giroud and all those guys. 
They'll come back in for one game and they won't light it up. And then people saying this shit and people saying we don't have a deep squad. But obviously, due to injuries, these players like Alonso, like Barkley, like Giroud, like Pedro, they're getting a run of games and actually we're seeing we've got more to offer. So it's not that we've got a shit squad. It's just that people get on their backs too much when they don't have enough chances. But let me get off my point anyway. Let's move on. <sighs> I just ran it too much. My bad. Put, put the safety back on, Dan. Okay, just yeah, 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 deep let breaths. Me, let me calm that out. <laughs> so, I'm not going to, I don't think we need to focus on the defenders too much. Maybe we can talk about if anyone's got anything to say about it. But I feel like Everton was so kind of like poor and lazy there that we didn't really have much to do. So, I don't know if you guys have got anything to say about Rudiger, Azuma, Lonzo, Kepa, um, Aspi. You got anything to say? Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I have a bit of a, um, I've changed my opinion on Rudiger. I think he's a poor defender, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think, I, you know what? I used to think he, he was class. But I think he's poor. And I, the reason why I think he gets away with it is because he's so vocal and he's so hand gestury and he's so demanding. Yeah. Um, yeah. That he's like clearly the big dog in the changing room. That he just shouts all the time. He does. And it just um, overshadows his mistakes. And luckily, he's a, he's a, he's a fast guy, so he can make up for it. But I think he's I think he's confused. I I honestly think. <laughs> Sorry, that made me die. <laughs> we built our back four around him, so then yeah. about, then you and I think that's why we put and then we have the players around him who aren't really that confident as well in terms of the Aspies and the Zoomers. I think Zoom would be okay, but they're not too confident. But then looking at him. And then he's, it's like the, a bit of the blind leading the blind. And there was, there's no hope, actually. There's no hope. So um, they need to do some serious work in the summer. Yeah. I mean, time, every I mean, corner or, or free kick, I, I can't even look. It is painful. It is painful watching us defensively. And I think it's just actually key to that. Yeah. Deceived us. <laughs> Deceived us. No, what I was going to say is the fact that we've changed our back line so often... I am not comfortable with these four going into next season because it doesn't seem like Lampard's confident with any two. And I think it harms us that we haven't got a stable backline. So I want him to buy whoever he wants just so that we can have a stable backline. So we can have a two that stays. Obviously, we've got like form comes into it, but we we just need some stability in the backline. And I think actually in the Everton game, I think, I don't know if what Jermaine and Joe were you for, I think Rudiger was quite good. I think he dealt with them okay, but I do think that that, I echo what Anu was saying in terms of, yeah, he's not it, you know. As, especially as the experienced defender, um, he's not it. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't referring to just the Everton game. I was yeah, like, yeah, I know. I've been away for a few weeks. I was just letting it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something you wanted to get off your chest. Yeah, yeah, I was quite <laughs> early. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Um, so we had Brozier come on and we had Andrew come on. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on the cameo and what do you think in terms of long-term impact on the Chelsea team? Yeah, I think uh, I think Tino was a bit excited when he came on. Um, I think that was also quite nice to see. The fact that he tried to sort of do a 35-yard volley with his first touch was kind of a little bit indicative. You know, had a few little kind of wobbly moments, but I think once he settled, you know, then, then I think you, you saw some of the quality that he has. And one of the things that, you know, for people maybe who don't watch academy football and aren't familiar with him, he's not a left winger. So, you know, if you're kind of judging him, you know, he's... 
you're staring at wide or he's not making the right movements and stuff. Like the guy is is a very very classic like number eight box to box midfielder. He's just being played out wide for, for for sort of his debut. I thought certainly when he came deeper towards the end of the game, there were some nice moments that he had. Um, but just a really really positive thing for him and you know someone that that I've uh, kind of mentioned uh, sort of you know multiple times really that someone I think is probably going to go on and become a pretty top player. Um, I think he has all of the skill set. He's got the he's obviously got the physical ability already at such a young age. But great feet, great eye for a goal. Um, really, really creative player. You know, very vocal, a leader. He's the captain of the of the FA Youth Cup team at the moment. So I'm, I'm very, very uh, sort of positive on, on where he goes in his next step of his career. And it looks like at the moment, at least, that he's potentially signing a new deal. So that's that's great news for us. And uh, um, Broya, I think it was, for me, quite interesting because he obviously had his sort of welcome to the Premier League moment where I think it was Holgate absolutely launched him sort of, you know, sort of up into to Rosette almost in terms of the, the first tackle that he had. But... He is is a pretty interesting prospect because you know the, the more that people will watch him, and again, if you're starting to watch some uh, some FA Youth Cup games, like he is like the Albanian Diego Costa is the best way to sort of describe him, and always look lazy comparisons to older players and stuff like that. But his style, the way he runs, the way he moves, his aggression, his ability to finish, you know, I think he he's certainly one to watch because if you're talking about kind of focal point strikers and and spearheads and guys who can who link play and bring others into play. I think he's got more of that skill set than Tammy has. So I think that, that, that for me is something interesting to look at if, if Broyo is, is a guy that they're looking at long term as the guy that can lead the line, can score the goals, can bring people into play. I think he's got a little bit more of that kind of old school Costa Drogba skill set than, than Tammy has. But I think, again, you know, another one, great, great moment for him to, to come on and get his debut. And you could see, certainly for both of them, that it meant an absolute ton to them. And I think that's eight, eight debuts for Lampard this season, which I think is the, the club record as well. So, you know, the, the youth revolution is, is definitely where, truly well in life. You know, you know what I love about Chelsea fans? Like, you, can't, you can't mention a new young player without throwing someone older under the bus. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I'm, obviously you're not throwing Tammy under the bus, but obviously, like, whenever there's a new young player, they're going to get compared to someone else. But yeah, Broja, like we talked about before, if Giroud stays around, having three Perfect. Options. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Mentor for him, yeah. All right. Um, all right. So, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the players who didn't play because it seems like, it see, this is the trend that kind of seems like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like if Chelsea lose, Today's episode is brought to you by Clorox. When it counts, trust Clorox the same way we trust essential workers to provide the care they give to us. Families trust Clorox to give them a safe and protected home. Our community heroes trust Clorox to keep places like hospitals and grocery stores disinfected. So I know I too can trust Clorox to provide my home with a safe environment at home we can all enjoy. So I have a story for you, Amanda. Um, With Clorox, there's one thing I definitely use it for every single time before I step into my vanity van. Uh, I love the entire place disinfected because that's where I keep my makeup. Uh, That's where I get ready. That's where my clothes are. That's sometimes where I take a nap as well. So, you know, I can use it all over like time of need. So, um, yeah, it's been really, really, it just keeps everything super clean and I, I feel super safe. For me, it's important to share with loved ones and the public in general how they can give the most care for their loved ones, especially during times like these. I mean, with the pandemic going on, with COVID going on, it's just great to be extra sanitary with all the items that are around you, caring for others, and you know, just wiping down the door handle after you use the bathroom or wiping down so the So important. The toilet. So important. The toilet handle. 
Don't forget the toilet handle. (laughs) So remember, when When it counts, counts, trust Clorox. And they're amazing, and they should come in, and everybody else is poor. But when Chelsea win, what are the players that didn't play their shit, and we should sell them, and we don't need them? So in the chat earlier today, we don't have Palumi on. But we, uh, Joe, you had an interesting conversation about Kovacic <laughs> with Palumi. Yeah, I'm proud to bring up. And you stated that our best, our alleged best player of the season, you don't think he was, and you think he's a crowd player, and you think he's overrated, and you feel like we play better. Am I, am I lying? Am I- no, 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 you're not lying. No, and it's it's something I've something I've said I've said quite often about about a number of players. Yeah. So, right. do I need to elaborate, or do you want me to? Yeah, I'll bring you to that. I'll let, so yeah. Kovacic, um, you don't think he's been our best player this season, and you're not like you're not sold on him as a first eleven player. So uh, I think he, for me, is like your perfect like a basketball analogy, like your sixth man, your kind of guy who can come and step in. And the reason that I say that and then people will start like jumping up in arms and stuff is I think he he gets away with not really contributing to the team. And by that, I mean, you know, goals, assists, being effective in the final third. The majority of games you've seen Chelsea struggling this season, we have needed someone with the ability to unlock uh, a defence, un- uh, to play a, a defence splitting pass, to, to get around these kind of low block teams that we place, we kind of play regularly. And, you know, in terms of what Kovacic offers in that respect... You know, I don't think I'm the only one who thinks kind of when he gets into the final third, like someone switches his brain off, he just sort of becomes a completely different player. So they're kind of this overhyping of someone who, yeah, you know, he's he's incredibly neat and tidy. I think he's he's great at retaining possession. You know, he's great at, at dribbling through midfield. But for me, this season, what we've lacked in in the, those key moments, in the, in the moments that we're talking about in games that we've lost or or have been close games, is someone of his technical ability should, for me, be a, a lot more of a impactful player. And by impact, I mean, you know, being being creative, scoring goals, doing more of his ability, because it's not like he, he doesn't have, it's not like he's not a good passer or that he's, he doesn't have great technique. So that, that for me is, is I, I just, I don't really understand this obsession. I mean, again, he, he is absolutely great to watch in midfield, you know, when he, he slides and beats and does all this fantastic skill in midfield. But it's like, it's, it's like what happens after that? You know, and and for me, we've needed that more this season than then. We've needed someone who can dribble past three people in midfield and play a seven-yard pass. So, so Pels, who's not on it, he described your kind of rationale uh, against Kovacic as peak reductionism. Um, Anu, Jermaine, chime in, please. Do you agree with Joe? Do you disagree with Joe? Where are your heads at? Jermaine, go. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, um, like for me, Kovic has been probably one of my favourite players this season. And even when I watched him last season, I loved a lot of the stuff he done when he got onto the ball. In terms of, um, in terms of like the way he's so press resistant. In terms of the way when he did get a few chances to dribble last season and this season, when he has had the chance to play, um, like quite freely. Like he, I don't know. Like a lot of the times when I watch him. His ability on the ball is is amazing for me, but that's because I don't expect him to go and score or assist. So due to my expectations, I can enjoy watching Kovacic. I hear you. I feel like, I feel like the, the the biggest thing about um, the the biggest frustration with Kovacic is only going to come if you do expect him to score goals and assists. Yeah. And I don't think Lampard has him in the team to do that. Now, fair enough, Lampard has talked about 
in getting goals. So I'm probably completely wrong in, yeah. in terms of that because Lampard has said a, a numerous amount of times that he wants to see Kovacic go and get more goals. He's been he's been talking to him about shooting and and practicing with him in terms of you know getting shots off in in, in attacking areas. But but for me, I think a lot of a lot of Kovacic's work this season has been to like he's been really good in terms of when he keeps the ball moving. When he gets us up the pitch with his with his amazing like ability to dribble past two three players yeah. with ease, I think he's done a lot of good defensive work as well, which has kind of gone. I don't know if it's gone underneath the radar, but not a lot of people seem to speak about it. But I've seen him make quite quite a few like very good challenges, like when people have been on a break against us and stuff like that. In terms of covering covering for a lot of players that have been very poor in defence this season, yeah. so I think. You play the right players in front of Kovacic. That was this was my little thing I said in the group, which just you know it got lost in the thing because Pearls, Pearls and Joe were at it. So yeah, yeah. I didn't remember saying it, but yeah. But I did say like with Kovacic, I think if you do have you know like the Sanchos and Mbappe's and all of them kind of guys in front of him, and or you have in a free of midfield, you have say for example, um, you know your Jorginho or your Gilmore, and then you have Kovacic, and then you have someone like maybe RLC further ahead or a Mount then you, you still get to see and enjoy Kovacic's play because he will give it to these players to let them go and do what they need to do. So that's my kind of thing on Kovacic, to be fair. So, so, Joe, I'm a, before I go to Andy, do you retort? Do you have a rebuttal for all of Jermaine's head? The, the, the only thing that I want to say is, is when people focus on the guy's dribbling ability and footwork and stuff like that, why, why does it stop in the final third? I mean, what, so so all of a sudden the guy can beat three people in midfield, but he can't beat a DM and, and slide a pass get, into a forward. I get that. I get <laughs> that. But yeah, so that so that might be a question, and that might be like, why does it happen? But in terms of anything he's saying, he's actually bringing to the team in the other two thirds of the pitch. Are you, do you have a rebuttal for that? Or yeah, I mean, the the, the only thing again that I, I have when when you and this could be more of a a Kovacic plus Jorginho thing is I just think that they play too slowly. And I think that what you've seen the past couple of games is is particularly, you know, like, oh, look how Ross Barkley's playing and look how well Mason Mount's playing. But but they're playing because because we're playing we're playing infinitely quicker. But it's not this lateral passing and this kind of very sort of sterile kind of possession that we have. It's it's playing at speed and it lets others, you know, kind of do their do their thing a little bit more. Yeah. All right. So Anu, what what are your thoughts on what Joe has iconoclastically said about Kovacic, our best player of the season? Um, no, I think uh, I do kind of suit you in terms for Georgina in terms of slowing it down. I don't, I can't agree with you in terms of Kovacic slowing it down. I do think he is quite a direct player, um, but I also don't think his job has to be in the final third, um, especially when you have when his role is behind at least four players. Um, obviously, if, if those goals and those final things do come, that's a bonus. But I don't really think that's his what that's his task. Uh, I think more of that attention needs to be focused on the Williams, the Pedro, blah blah blah. Their goal tallies have not been up to scratch. But I think what Kovacic has done this season, there's been a massive increase, um, probably due to the manager. You've probably got to give Lampard plaudits on that. Probably the first time I praised him on this podcast all season. But you can't give Lampard applause because he's obviously let the chains off and let him go play. And you can actually see that he's better than what I think we all thought he was last season. But I, I yeah, I know I think he's I think he's been good. I think he does deserve 
uh, Chelsea Player of the Year. But that's also not really a testament to um, us as a club because I don't think there has been too many standouts. But the shortlist isn't great because of the lack of consistency with everyone, I think. I think he's probably been the most consistent in his position, if that makes sense. But he hasn't been standout. It's just he's improved the most and been doing it on the on the best level for yeah. this season, really. So kind of a default. But no, he's been good. I've been happy with it. And and Joe, do you have any words for Anu? Uh, I mean, again, I I think that the the fact that he is a he's a dribble first player, but he's not a dribbler in the fact that Loftus Cheek will cover infinitely more ground when he carries the ball through midfield. I think that that's that's for me why I see him slow the game down. Is that he'll he'll beat two and three people, but it's. No, it's just, it's just it's just a simple comparison. People going, oh, this guy's great at dribbling from midfield. I'm like, well, you know, he dribbles and then plays a five-yard pass. It's it's not it's not as dynamic as as people see. It. I think it's just an aesthetic thing. It looks great. He's got great feet. But but then like, I think there's trade-offs in that. I think whereas Loftus is amazing in terms of dribbling forward, a lot of the work in terms of chasing the fullback for the Kovacic, I think Jermaine was alluding to him doing. I don't think Loftus is as good. At- so like, it's trade-offs. I, I agree. I think we all agree. We know that Kovacic, he dribbles, and then when he gets to the final third, it's a lateral pass, and it's like the steam comes out of it. It's like, yes, 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 and then the steam comes out of it. But at the same time, I, I do think this season we've seen a lot of good through balls from him um, a couple of times. But yeah, let's let's move <laughs> on um, to, to another one. Joe, you're still in under court. You're still in session because we're talking about another player that didn't play, Jorginho. I didn't want to talk about Jorginho and talking about Billy because I wanted to come to Jorginho, but Jermaine, Joe, I listened to last week's podcast and it was infuriating me. I didn't want to mention... So, I was so happy you and uh, Yaz weren't on there. <laughs> I know, like, it was infuriating me, the daggers, and you, I felt so helpless and I wanted to defend my boy, but, but no, to be fair, it was good because Jermaine, I'm disappointed in you. You joined Joe. Joe started this. This is your agenda. You joined this agenda. <laughs> Um, so what are we saying about Jorginho, all three of you guys, if, in terms of the rest of the season and I guess, for, like, do you want him to be sold as well? Uh, Joe, we don't have to come to you. I know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I think you should get a new new contract and maybe be made captain for next season. But... <laughs> and then what are you saying? What are you saying about Jorginho? Do you think that Billy Gilmore should kind of like keep his place? Um, or do you feel like Jorginho's needed for experience and what are you saying in terms of next season? Do we sell him? No, I think you give Jorginho back his place. You don't get too gassed on Billy. You take it down a notch um, and let him still learn from him in a way. Um, yeah, listen, Jorginho's the best penalty taker ever, mate. Um, I don't know. Jorginho's a weird one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to say because he, he's such a skillful player. However, I do kind of echo in terms of you do get the sense he slows it down, but his vision and some of the balls he can do, he can do things like the players can Yeah, or key players like that. I think so. Yeah, I'm here, I'm here for him to stay next season, and he has to get his spot back as soon as he comes back. Jermaine, tra- oh, traitor, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know me, fam. Like, oh, Jermaine switches his mind so often. Like, oh, it's the There's a fight between me, me and Yasser on one side, Joe and me on the other, 
and Jermaine's the middle man. We've and stolen like, him. He's in. He's got. He's fu- fully fledged fan club member now. <laughs> no, 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 no. We still might win it back. Jermaine, what are you saying? Bro, I just blocked the whole thing. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Listen, with me, yeah. The thing is, football changes so quickly in it all the time. And with Jorginho, I think as much as I switch sides so much, Jorginho is like one minute you love him, the next minute you hate him because he gets beaten by this guy that's like. You know, like, shouldn't even be beating him. He shouldn't even be, like, winning in midfield in terms of battles. Like, with Jorginho, mm. I just feel like the, the league has been, I don't know, like, it's just been a major problem for him in in main, in mainly the defensive area. And that's, I've always been consistent about but that. Jermaine, I'm on been... the pod now, so I can retort. <laughs> no, all right. You, but let me, let me just finish, let me finish. Before you come, because I know you got like an essay waiting for me, and I know. Twenty seconds, done. Alright, cool. Mainly for me, I just think that I've, the main thing I've been consistent with Jorginho about, which I don't like, is just the physicality for him in terms of the way he struggles in the league a lot. Mainly with recovery and mainly with like just like his aggressiveness towards players. I don't think he has enough to 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 last in the league and be like the main guy for us in terms of if he has to deal with situations in there on his own like he's just not going to be able to do it and I think it's not even about Gilmore I think it's mainly more about we need a different player there to, to play there in that position I don't think it is going to be Jorginho under Lampard and his style of play so, so you're saying no Jorginho no Gilmore no 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 Jorginho Gilmore there but somebody else to come in and actually play there like some, somebody else that, that's a so, bit more experienced a different player but what are you saying? Are you saying 4-2-3-1? Uh, not necessarily, you know. I think I think it can be I think it can be a 4-3-3 as well. But I just think it's it's a different holding midfield player. I don't think it has to be Jorginho. I think it I think like I I, I watched um obviously we've all been talking uh, about party in the group and yeah. that. But I don't I hate party and I don't I haven't watched him play because Joe loves him. Yeah, <laughs> but I just think we need someone we need someone that can play, but I think so like, be very physical as well. This guy and dude. I knew back look, look, I knew he's Ghanaian, bro. So that's 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 a strike. Number you know one. What? Every so, time every time he did something good, I'll just sound bored eggs, I'll sound Well he, he was so he's good. He's improved so much. I'm pretty sure I watched him like a couple of days ago, he was not this good. Well, he'll come to the Premier League and be trash, but here's the thing. <laughs> the evil side of Chessie Hour makes back a Yoko. Exactly. The evil side of Chessie Hour means and Joe. They've been talking about his party. For a long time. And I know they hate Jorginho, so I haven't even watched him. I don't even want to watch him. I didn't watch that Alec Madrid game. Because I don't want to like him. Um, <laughs> Mikel was doing this for years. They they, they kicked him out of the club. No, but we, yeah, we all like Mikel on this podcast, I think. But um, yeah, let's quickly... Let me rattle off and do some listeners' questions. Unless... Oh yeah, Kante as well. The final one that didn't play. I know a lot of Chelsea fans are itching for him to go. What are you guys saying? Uh, Who said that? Jermaine? Hey, you've changed. You have changed the most. Oh, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I love Kante, man. I, I think right. it's the same. Um, Joe, what are you saying? If his uh, if if his knees uh, are on the on the go, which it, it might appear they are, then uh, you know you'd, you'd have to try and cash in hire someone like PSG or someone like that and try and rebuild. But if he, if he's fine, then, then definitely keep him. He's probably the only genuine world class player that we've got at the club at the moment. Fair play, Andy. What are you saying about Kante? Repeat the question. Uh, do you want him to stay? A lot of people want to sell him. No, 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 no. I, I think obviously getting a bit older, his, his legs are 
bit tired, but I hundred percent stay. I'm a fan. Well, look, listen, loyalty. What? What's happened to you, man? That's what I'm saying. I hate it. This hey, game protects you so much. What's happened to you? And here's what I'll say is that, Joe, we was talking before, and I think one of the reasons why we were better in the, um, under like the 2004 to 2012 team is we had a core of players that stayed. A lot of people were trying to chuck Lampard, Terry, Drogba out when there was 28. There was like agent team, get rid of them. But like they, like, they stayed and they went on to win more. Like you can't just, a player can't get to 28, have a few injuries and say, like, chuck them away. But um, quick listeners' questions. We'll do that for just a quick fire so we can wrap it up. Um, goalkeeper, we've been linked to Dean Henderson, Nick Pope, Aaron Ramsdale. Um, this is from BT Vishal. Um, who do you think is the best fit if you guys know any of them, them keepers? Or do you want to stick with Kepa? Open question. I'd, I'd put Yazin goal instead of Kepa at the moment. Um, <laughs> No, I, I think the one that I've seen most is uh, is, it, is it Henderson at Sheffield United. I think he's yeah. I think he's a decent goalie, um, good good Premier League keeper. I think he's got room to grow. But uh, Kepa, I think Kepa's been better the past two games. He, the thing that I've noticed he's coming for crosses a bit more. He's trying to come up, come off his line a little bit more. Um, but I, st- I still don't think he's uh, he's the long term answer. Particularly if we if you want to sort of go on and become a, a top club again, I don't think he's the the guy to to be between the sticks. Okay, cool. This one's from Bay CFC. If Lampard and Chelsea end up outside the top four, but Sheffield United end up fourth, what does that say about Lampard? Because even though our team is shit, it's still capable enough to get top four. So this is Bay underscore CFC for any of the Chelsea fans that want to get out of. And what do you guys think? Um, if Sheffield United get top four with their squad, does that kind of shine the lights on Lampard? Yeah, Lampard has to get top four with this with the way the Premier League's played out. It's the worst Premier League that I can... Okay. And yes, because he has a young team, but it doesn't matter. The position he's in and how poorly the other team's in with this squad, it's good enough to get top four. There's no, there's no sympathy. There's no excuse. And, and coming in here, a lot of the kind of rhetoric was, these players are ready. These players are good enough. And when these like, Reece James comes through, they'll be talking them up like, yo, this is a player. Don't forget, we've played against young players like Alfonso Davis. He's 19. And so like, and Ajax, their team was full of young players. And if you're a good young players then and you're saying they're ready, then you've got to judge them as so. Now, I'm not saying kill them, but at the same time, let's not pretend we don't have a good squad. We have a good squad. Um, Jermaine, Joe, what are you saying about if we don't reach top four? Do you think it's a failure from Kampar? I mean, the last time, the last two times we've been in the Champions League and, and tried to compete in the Premier League, we've come like fifth and tenth. And that's with, I think, infinitely better squads than this. I, I think so many people forget when we talk about squad quality. For me, it's not like, oh, you know, Chelsea's first 11. It's the ability to go, you know, quarterfinal, semi-final Champions League and finish first, second, third in the Premier League comfortably. I think that, that that's what we're lacking now. Is we, we, we have a fully fit first 11 that's pretty good. But beyond that, I don't think we've got the quality to punch in in two, two competitions. So, you know, as I said, last last couple of years, four or five seasons, you know, fifth and tenth when we've We've played with infinitely more experienced managers. We've, for me, slightly better scores than what we've got at the moment. So I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's the end of the world for Lampard. But I think it reflects the reality of, of really where we are as a club at the moment. We can't compete on two fronts of, with with the, the squad we have. I disagree. I think I, I think we could have done better in the Premier League. But I, at the same time, I wouldn't kill Lampard to finish finishing outside. When it comes down to, we knew who he hired. He's an experienced manager. I feel like he could have done a lot better. Um, but at the same time, there's experienced managers like I know Jose Mourinho's just come in but look at his form since he's come in so at the same time it's like yeah if he finishes fourth or like then that's an amazing job 
well, it's not an amazing job, but it's good enough. And if he finishes just outside, like I said before earlier in the podcast, Lampard is someone that actually cares about the future of Chelsea. He might not have all the skills from my perspective, um, but we've seen good signs. We've seen some good signs. And I, I don't know, man, I'm just hoping that they'll work out. Jermaine, what are you saying? Um, personally, I think, obviously, as good as it will be to get top four, I don't think it's... Um, I don't think it's something that... I don't think it's something that he has to get, to be honest with you. I think, for me, I kind of looked at it at the beginning of the season that if we could finish kind of like close to it, but like obviously finishing fifth or sixth, I'd, I'd accept that. Um, and I think we need to focus more on sorting out our squad yeah. like for for next season to to go on and finish comfortably in maybe even the top three next season rather than like, I'm not even talking like really top four. I want, I want to kind of see us against say again so I was just going to say you don't know what other teams are going to do so we can't even we've just got to compete for the title when you start saying let's try and get top three that's when you fall short of it and you become yeah, a yeah, fair. team yeah like, I was about to say as well like even to compete against the top teams in terms of like the cities Liverpools like those games need to be much closer and we need to actually win more of these games I think next next season and, and in terms of like gearing up the team for that we need to focus on getting Sorting out who's going to be long term, like getting the short short term contracts done as well. Like we said about the you know the oldest, who we are going to keep letting go Deadwood. These are the things that I'm looking at in terms of for next season. I want to get that kind of stuff that all sorted so that we can then kick on and start thinking about more so like thinking about the league because I think there's so many other problems that Chelsea have got at the moment in terms of fixing the squad and like I said, getting rid of the Deadwood. These are things that also need to be sorted out as soon as possible, man. Like. It's too much right now. Yeah, do you know what? You know, quickly, I feel like actually Europa might be good for this team. I feel like we're not that great anyway and I don't envisage with a couple of signings that will be ready for Champions League. So Europa to give these young players like a little bit of time because obviously we've seen with Lampard, he, I think he's found it difficult to give all players time. We talked about it earlier in terms of Barkley, Giroud, etc. So like, it's bad, but I feel like Europa might actually be a good thing. But next question from Dom Digital. Um... At crucial time in the season, should Frank Lampard scrap his philosophy with high press and favoured players, M19, like that's Mount, and Tammy Abraham 9, continuing with the tried and tested? I guess we touched on this earlier. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that. Is this your burner that. account, Dan, with the favourite players? <laughs> well, we won't get into favourites. We won't get into favourites. Um, would you want to see more of Gilmore in advanced midfield positions? This is from Manny underscore CFC. No, he just played <laughs> in DM and has done well. So that's okay. Um, stick it. I think that's what we did for Mason Mount. Um, and has it really worked? I'm not really sure. Oh, if someone's a position, let's stick with it. Perfect it. Yeah. I think. I think as well with Gil, with the Gilmore thing. I think quickly. I think um, a good thing about Gilmore playing that deep as well has been that I don't know if Lampard instructed them to do it but when Barkley and Mount were playing it felt like he was getting them like really close to Gilmore as well I don't know whether that was because he was a bit conscious about you know Gilmore's size and the fact that he was young and he, and he was new to the you know to the first 11 and that but they, they did seem to be quite close to him a lot of the time as well so yeah, that's what happened in the, the Grimsby match that we went to like Barkley was almost looking after like, and that's not like a slight on Gilmore but yeah, not I've, at all. Seen, I've seen it like Barkley Plays really close. Yeah, it looks like they've got a good bond as well. Like um, 
but he plays real close to him and, and it helps, I think, because like we talked about earlier, the quick passing is very quick between them and it can kind of create those chances. Quickly, let's start in the FA Cup. What are your thoughts? Um, do you think we can win it that time? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, that's enough listeners' questions. Sorry I couldn't get to all of them. It's been another episode of Jesse Hour. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks for coming, guys. Thanks. It's been good to have you back on Anu. On Twitter and ranting, doing the most. True say that money is power, so when you get money, keep quiet and ghost. Ghost. I remember when I shot my shot, but I didn't have guap, so I hit the post. But next time it's a golden goal. And it- Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com/slash voice IQ to discover more. Sports Social Podcast Network.